Hello, I'm Fern Cotton and this is Happy Place. The show that thinks inspiring empathy through storytelling might just make the world a kinder place. Today I'm chatting to Emily Atak. Feeling sexy to me has become something that I've relied on. It's my little support blanket. So to sometimes be told to have to, you, sh- you need to take that away because it's not classy or it, people aren't going to take you seriously or you're going to have rape threats sent to you. That really frustrates me because you're asking me to be someone that I'm not. And I should be able to live in my world and feel empowered by those things that make me feel empowered without worrying about my safety. Emily is an actor. You might know her from The Inbetweeners, a comedian. She does brilliant skits and sketches on The Emily Atak Show and a team captain on Celebrity Juice. I actually saw her recently when I went back to record a special final ever episode of Celebrity Juice, which was, as you can imagine, bloody bonkers. But what I wanted to chat with her about when she came round to mine the other week was a lot more serious. In her new documentary, Emily Atak, Asking For It, she opens up her life and her social media DMs to the public as she attempts to understand why she and so many others are sexually harassed online on a daily basis and what we need to be doing to stop it. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Okay, here it is. This is the show. Hello, Emily. Hi. Oh, it's so lovely to see you. So lovely to see you. I was just saying to you, wasn't I? This is a very poignant moment for me in my life, in my career. This is like, this is the one. Happy Place is the one. Well, just the one. Grab that Anushka, clip that up, <laughs> let's put that out there. Thank you. That's so kind of you, though. Oh, no. Thanks for having me on. This is amazing. Beautiful house as well. Thank you, babes. We're in my little uh, garden shed doing Happy Place today, and we have got lots to talk about. I haven't seen you since the last Celebrity Juice. Oh, my God, that was so fun. That was a poignant moment for me, too. Oh. Us four together, me, you, Laura, and Holly. It's it's those pinch me moments. I look around, I go... Oh my god, this is where I am now in my life. This is amazing. Oh, it was really lovely. Yeah, it, it felt was. I was really happy that we could celebrate Lee, aka yeah. Keith. Yeah. Um, who's put his like soul and love and everything into that show and that character. And yeah. it was just it was a really good day. Oh god, it was. I I mean, you know, watching that for years, watching you and Holly, and I remember I remember watching it going, that's that's I want to do that. I want Good to Good manifesting. Yeah. And um yeah, so have it being in those seats, Laura and I would always say, Wow, we're we're so privileged to Oh, it. so lovely. Well, it was just it was a good day, a good day all round. But we're talking about very different stuff today. Yes. Because I know a lot of last year was taken up by you uh, making this documentary asking for it, which has been an absolute roller coaster. It's a yeah. very important documentary looking at sexual harassment and it's so relevant and shocking I mean I I think I was sort of quite naive sort of setting out watching this documentary about certainly how harassed you've been but how prevalent this is it's ubiquitous if you've got a phone you've probably Mm. had some you know ridiculous picture or dialogue sent your way Mm. without you wanting it and you start the beginning of the documentary explaining how many things you get sent your way every day whether Mm. it is you know completely crass dialogue photos videos etc I found that really shocking did you well this is always interesting so people are either shocked by it or they're not so people either go well well yeah that's normal I receive that every day as well or people go this is absolutely horrific you shouldn't have to put up with this so both of those reactions are surprising I think but yeah that's that's kind of uh, sort of getting on this journey of of 
realizing that we normalize this behavior too much. It started with these um, photographs, videos, and this language that was being sent to me all the time, particularly in lockdown. It was really bad in lockdown. And I, I kind of, obviously we're all feeling horrendous in lockdown, missing families, feeling lonely, you know, especially if you didn't have a, you don't have a partner, you're by yourself, I was by myself. And I, I really was, I was feeling it. And up until that point, I'd received, I've been receiving messages like this, but there was something about lockdown that really kind of made me go, right, I've had enough of this now. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here crying, missing my family, missing my parents, hoping that, hoping that people that I love in my life don't die of this awful disease that's going around. And, I'm being bombarded every day, being sexually harassed every single day, and I've I've had enough basically. So just to be really clear, like this mm. is this is not like one message a day. This could be ten, hundreds, twenty, hundreds, hundreds of messages a day. Yeah, hundreds. Um, and it's and and also because I was on my phone way more than I normally would we be. All were, not, yeah. yeah, and I was reaching out. You know, you uh, the, there was a time where I was replying to f- fans. I hate the word fans, cringe, <laughs> as if I have fans. <laughs> but like, um, but you know, people that want yeah, to. Yeah, following you. you. We were. Con- I was connecting more, maybe more so with people, my followers, um, than I would. So I was looking in that extra DM bit in Instagram, and that's. People keep telling me not to go in there, but I was kind of like, well, that is my, that's my right to go in there. This is my social media, my private bit of my social media. I should be able to go in there. Uh, It's like saying, well, you shouldn't go in the bottom bathroom of your house because that's not going to make you feel. No, like that's my private, this is my private space almost. So I I was getting told that a lot. I go, oh, just stop looking in that bit of the DMs. I was like, but... I'm connecting with people. I'm sort of talking to people who are also feeling alone, um, people who were, you know, struggling with not having a partner in lockdown. That was something I connected with women a lot about. And I felt quite, I, I took umbrage with that because I was like, well, no, I I have a right to to stay on this part of my social media. But what I noticed was doing that was that I was seeing more and more messages every single day. Like there was just this surge of sexually violent aggressive messages, videos, pictures, and it was just getting worse and worse and worse. So I I actually started to, like I always do with everything, I started, I, I threw humor at it. I thought, right, okay, I'm gonna start screenshotting these things and I'm gonna put them on my Instagram with funny little captions and see how people react to it. It was, that was my way of kind of telling people it was going on, but without yeah. me going, can someone help me here? Poor me, poor me. I'm going through this and I'm I'm actually really suffering with anxiety and depression for various other reasons, but this is really something that's getting to me. But I didn't want to say it that bluntly. So I started to screenshot these things and and sort of put humor to it. And it, you know, it got people's attention and people had similar reactions to you, kind of going, I find that really shocking. You shouldn't have to put up with that. Some people would just laugh. Some people would uh, say, oh yeah, I receive messages like this every day. And it was really interesting to see those different reactions. And then Grazia came forward, uh, who I've developed a really nice relationship with. Uh, so I was writing articles for them about lockdown, about being in lockdown by yourself and, you know, just sort of funny, silly little articles that I was kind of doing for them and they came to me again and said would you like to write another one and I said yeah I said can I do it about something a bit different this time they went yeah whatever you whatever you like so I wrote it about these messages and how they make me feel and sort of saying is this you know have we normalized this too much and all that kind of stuff and the reaction was was huge that sort of then led me to doing a talk on uh, the lab bibles channel which then kind of you know also exploded and um and then that led me to taking me to parliament to talk about the uh, the issues with online safety and talking about the online harms bill and how far they are in the process of having that looked at and everything so yeah it's kind of it kind of all has been evolving from from that yeah i mean because it's if we go back to that moment where you're in your home yeah. and you're on your own in lockdown you're getting these messages there is of course for a female anyway a horrible paranoia yeah. and a feeling that you're not safe yeah. in your own home because where does where is where's the line yeah. you know if someone's having that access to you where they can directly comment to you say what they want to mm. say to you um you know where does that stop and and for you psychologically that's that's a lot to deal with i think safety totally. is a huge part of it massively and i think uh, you know, it's hard enough having people shout things at you in the street, you know, um, 
when you're kind of out and about, we're always, you know, as we've learned with awful things that have happened to women, we try and all keep as safe as we can, keep our keys in our hand, text, get home safe. You know, we're all in that together and we all know how scary it is to walk home on your own as a woman, even in broad daylight. Yeah. Um, that's just always been something that, again, that we've normalized, mm -hmm. that fear that we've just completely normalized. And so that is hard enough. And then I felt like that behavior was then traveling into my private home you know, coming through onto my messages. I have no control over them. Some And some of this stuff too wasn't just private in my private DMs. This is publicly on Twitter yeah. where you can visit, you can see it and there's nothing I can do about that. And, you know, people say, well, block and delete. I've tried that. It doesn't, It do psychologically, that doesn't make me feel any better. No. Because I go, well, they could turn up at my house. So when you're, when, you, when you're walking around the streets, do you, you know, I've certainly had that, not so much recently, but... I think back when I was on Radio 1 yeah. and I was having that very intimate um, daily dialogue with a, a lot of people on the radio and we would, you know, it was, I don't know what it's like there now. know but, you. Yeah, and we would yeah. have this screen with all the text messages just constantly rolling and mm. you would read them because they would say, can you play bloody Britney Spears or whatever? Yeah. And you'd be reading through the messages and some, I mean, some terrified me and were probably not so much sexual but violent aggressive and I the paranoia I had at that period of my life I'd be walking the streets looking over my shoulder yeah. constantly yeah and I'm imagining that you have well you might even feel it now how do you All feel the walking the streets I, yeah. I, the second I get into a car I'm nervous about the driver you know and I, I, people might say that that's sexism towards men which is really infuriating but and it's and it's the not all men this not all men culture that is spreading that is obviously uh ridiculous um quite frankly because i i constantly say with this not all men thing we we have been trained to know that once we step out the door we our lives and our safety is always at risk it, it just is i don't know i mean i'm talking quite personally now i'm not speaking for other people but that is how i feel the second i leave my door um not to the point where it doesn't make me want to leave the house i mean it has at times but you know and people argue with me they say yeah but you're just you're just assuming and generalizing that all men are going to behave that way towards you and I, I it's it's not really that it's knowing it, it's that this this sort of behavior has been happening to me since I was 10 years old so of course somewhere in my mind I just have to assume that as soon as I leave the house I'm not safe so I have to keep my guard up and make sure I keep myself as safe as possible so what was the experience as a young child before you're on the tv before mm. social media how were you receiving that sort of commentary previously um I noticed from about 10, 10, 11, I, I noticed men were treating me very differently, saying different things to me when my parents weren't looking and touching me in a, inappropriate ways. And, you know, I'd go into a supermarket with my mum or, um, and, you know, I, I, I was, I, a man tried to grab me once when I was 10 years old in a supermarket and my mum had to kind of drag me out the shop. And it was that, from that moment on, that was like the first memory I kind of remember. And, that, and from that moment on, I, I, I saw the world very differently with men and I I just went oh okay this is this is what happens when you start growing up so I have to be more vigilant now uh and I have to understand this behavior but understanding that from as a child you you, you sort of have to open your your sexual eyes open much younger when that's happening to you because men were you know, it wasn't, it, I, luckily I grew up with an amazing father who did nothing but love me and and treat me brilliantly. So I knew the behaviour was wrong from these older men. But in a way I knew that I, I had no choice but to adapt to that sort of life. It sounds quite, it sounds quite grim really, but I, I definitely found a way to cope and to to just accept that this was how my life was going to be. But how did that make you feel about your your own sexuality, your body growing up? I mean, puberty's hard enough as it is yeah. as a as a, you know, a girl yeah. or a boy, but for a, for a woman, so much changes. Physically, mm. your whole body looks completely different yeah. and it feels like it's overnight and you're yeah. wrestling with that and, oh my God, how, how do I feel about all of this? Mm. As well as bringing hormones and periods mm. into the mix. Mm -hmm. How did that affect you during that time when so much change is happening? Because I think, you know, even if I look back to my own childhood, not that I received that sort of treatment that I was conscious to mm. I think I definitely still found it weird just sort of knowing that pop stars are overly sexualized at a very yeah. young age and that's it you know in magazines mm. how women or you know I was reading teen magazines yeah. and 
part of me probably felt, oh, this is exciting and new. And I think a big reaction to me down the line was, I'm going to cover my body in baggy jumpers and mm. I'm going to wear men's clothing and I don't want to look like an overtly sexual woman. And I've really sort of swayed between the two, That's I think, really over the years. That's really interesting. That's so interesting because I did the opposite. I actually... I when I grew I I, really, I grew boobs before everybody else I got my period before everybody else and I really used that to my advantage in terms of like in terms of sort of owning who I was a bit more I was kind of like okay well this is who I am I'm the girl with the boobs and the the long hair and the you know the getting my period really early and I I there was a sense that I was quite proud of that and I I. I kind of show, I, I I use that to my advantage, I would say. Um, and people find that quite hard to to understand and hard to hear. But I, I, I not in a, it wasn't a sexual thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I was boy mad from very early on. Boy mad. I was obsessed with boy bands. I was obsessed with Disney princes. Aladdin. Oh my God, I used to cry about Aladdin every <laughs> night. Every night. No, I'd cry. I'd be like... I'm never going to be happy. Why am I happy. not Jasmine? Yeah, I'm never going to be happy until I marry Aladdin. Like, that was just what I decided very young. And I, so I was boy obsessed. And I noticed as well that, like, men were sort of looking at me, boys looking at me. So I, I sort of, people say I added fuel to that fire because I wore makeup. And oh, I, was it? empowering you you realized mm. your power as a female that I mean, was my power this is the it big was. conversation isn't it is it's because, so hard to admit because people yeah. find it really jarring to hear that but let's let's fucking dive into this shit yeah. because you know the documentary is called asking for it you've yeah. had huge moments where you've thought is this my fault am i yeah. is this just the reaction to me talking about sex yeah posting bikini imagery on instagram uh, you know owning who i am you know, or is this hugely empowering? You've noticed that there is power in being a female and how you choose to present yourself. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. And it was, and all that, all that stuff. Even though I was owning that power and doing all that, I still didn't want to be touched or sexually harassed. Or, but it was the more touched I was, or the more inappropriate things that happened towards me, the more I sort of accepted them as. I, I used to say to myself, well, that is part of it. You've made this choice to be this person. So that is what you have to uh, endure. And I think that's where the confusion comes in because yeah. in my head, I was a, I was an 11, 12-year-old. I was 11 years old, 12 years old. but And I knew that all these things were kind of wrong, but I, I sort of looked at it like I didn't have a choice. Mm, and now you've got that on this magnified scale yeah. of you know, just unsolicited stuff coming your yeah. way from strangers. And yeah. I think... I don't... Yeah, and I kind of want to go, well, why is it that if you want to feel power, you want to feel powerful as a woman, you want to feel sexy, it, it doesn't mean we're asking to be to be raped or sexually harassed. I think that men... Why don't, men seem to... They don't understand that. They kind of go, but... But you're asking for this kind of attention. I go, no, no, no. I'm not. I'm you're not doing it for that. you. Like, yes. You know, you've just admitted that you've... Yeah, it's you my power. Yeah, but you say in the documentary, you know, and you've just said now, you, you've used your sexuality mm. to get what you want. Yes. But again, full stop. That doesn't then mean, and you can therefore do what you want, no. say what you want. It's no. like any form of abuse, you know, yeah. with whatever you know, however you choose to present yourself, you're not mm. asking for then someone else's retaliation nope. to who and, you are. And it genuine, like, and that is genuine when I say it's for myself, it's not for the the men out there that can't control their, you know, sexually violent thoughts and actions. It's like, I, I remember, you know, growing up doing all the lads mags, you know, FHM and all that kind of stuff. Some girls that I speak to now, some women, they they did all that stuff and they regret it and they, they don't like it and they look back at the photos and they go, oh God, and they didn't have a... a a good time doing it I loved doing those photo shoots I loved them I loved I, I felt good I felt sexy I loved the pictures I was looked after on the shoots my mum came with me you know I felt felt like my career was going somewhere I, I felt empowered I did and I'll look back at those photographs they're framed on my wall yes. in my hallway I'll look back at those photographs when I'm 80 and go Oh, I was something else. Mm. You know, and I still, I sit in our wheel complain about our weight and everything. I know I'll look back at that and go, yeah, I, look, I, look, I looked great. And I was celebrating my body. It's the sh the shame, of the, the horrible thing about it is that we're not allowed to celebrate our own bodies and our own sexuality and power 
without it being seen as flaunting, asking for negative sexual unwanted attention. Yeah. And I that's mean, the shame of it. We had this amazing chat on here with Emily Ratajkowski. Yes, she's brilliant. Yeah, and we yeah. had a, you know, a, a sort of similar discussion around, because I had done a couple of those lad mags mm. unbelievably back in the day. Yeah. And I, I did have regrets, probably, mm. until I spoke to her mm. and I examined why I thought I had to have regret because I don't know if it was a natural yeah. reaction to it. I think it was more forced, like, I should feel shame that yeah. I went down that route. And now, I I went back and I looked at all of them yeah, in like, preparation. Why? Why yeah, And I had that? the same thought process as you. Yeah. Wow, I look so young yeah. and I was really, I had good experiences on the shoots like you. They, yeah. they There was no sort of weird exposure nope. that I wasn't happy with yeah and I had really good people with me and I look back and I think wow that was an expressive naturally, fun shoot we're just I thought I had designed, to feel yeah we're designed to go oh god oh, I shouldn't have done mm. I shouldn't have done that it's not very ladylike or it's not yeah. it's not classy it's, it's seen as kind of undignified and not classy but you've also had you know these feelings of shame mm. um from being the beneficiary, which is not the right word, but the the receiver of these pictures and this information. Yeah. And that's, you're not doing that. But, you no. know, you say in the documentary, especially when you had this, you know, really tough conversation with your parents mm. and your mum was really upset and, and walks out of shot. She needs mm. to go and have a breather. And again, your natural reaction was to feel guilt and shame that you've done something wrong. Yeah, even now. like, And, and this is something that I'm still working on and it's it, I'll probably have to work on it for the rest of my life. But it's I I was I had it drilled into me from a very young age that it was me that had to change, not in a in a way that my parents, for example, they wanted to do everything they could to protect me and just make things stop. You know, they didn't want men looking at me in supermarkets or, you know, saying crude things to me. They wanted me to be a child. So in order to do that, they would, you know, if something happened, they would say, right, take your makeup off. You're not allowed to wear makeup for a week don't wear a skirt to school because you're just, it's asking for trouble and this and that. So they would, without realising it, bless them, they were changing me. And so my whole life that has kind of happened, even with doing the things like the lads mags shoot and things, people afterwards have kind of gone, you know, old managers and stuff in my career have gone, well, you know, we're sort of, we're going to get you to, we want to take you a bit more seriously now. So we're going to step you out of that sort of thing and we're going to dye your hair brown, do a play, you know. <laughs> it's like, and you go, oh, okay. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> do your hair brown and do a play. Yeah, yeah, and they go, otherwise you'll just end up all the time oh, on page three of the sun. And it's like, well, I don't... <laughs> as long as if you actually take the sexual violence away from it all what's what's there is just a girl who is just trying to make it in the business not always knowing what direction she's going in but trying things out celebrating her youth celebrating her body because it doesn't last very long does it let's face it (laughs) and like and that's all I was doing and I was having fun but people were just constantly panicking and going we need to change this we need to change that because it's 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 attracting all this kind of unwanted attention but then now I am at a point in my life where I'm going, I sh- I'm i exhausted with trying to change things. Yeah, just and be you. I'm just trying to be me. But also, and it, what, that's you know, what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to be uh, a sexy pin-up, you know, going, oh, hey, boys, here I am. That's not what I'm trying to do. If, if I put a picture up of a bikini shot on Instagram and it gets, you know... If, but I'm not being funny. I'm single as well. And I'm, you know, I'm on the dating scene. So that's up to me. If I want to, if, if there's a guy that uh, I like in my life and I'm on holiday, I put up some, I, you know, I put things up sometimes going, oh, he'll see that and he might like it. And of then course. that's fun. That's fun. I, I have every course. right to do that too. Do. That's a consensual But this thing. is the thing. Again, we talked to Emily about this and I still don't feel like there is any firm conclusion or progress in how we structurally look at this. But you know, these basic sort of thoughts, can a woman... Be sexy, overtly sexual, and taken seriously. And mm. we all want to say yes. And Emily offered up some examples of people that have, but yeah. there were like three. Mm. You know, it's not the general consensus that women can be powerful in all the ways that they feel yeah. are readily available, yeah. whether it's through their sexuality, intellect, yeah. humor, or otherwise. Yeah. Why can't we just accept that that is a possibility? Rather yeah. than, like you say, if you tick these things off a list of you doing something, you do a series, mm. that you do a play, then people will go, Oh yeah, she's very, we take her seriously now. Yeah. And also, why is being taken seriously so lusted after? Yeah, is the other thing. Yeah, because yeah. I think I've wrestled to, like, with that, like making a bit of an ass of yourself. Yeah, and being, yeah, and fanning around a bit. It's fanning like, around a yeah, bit. Yeah, like, I've always kind of been a bit like that. Like 
I, I I will never ever be able to take myself too seriously. Good. Ever. Yeah, I've, it's not in my in my nature. I might do a serious play one day. Who yeah. knows? But like, which I, yeah, because you can. Yeah. And because you could do that perfectly yeah. well. This but is also, the thing. And also, what has become my emotional and my kind of safety, comfortable crutch is my sexuality. Is feeling feeling sexy to me has become something that I've relied on. It's my little support blanket. So. To sometimes be told to have to, you, sh- you need to take that away because it's not classy or it, people aren't going to take you seriously or you're going to have rape threats sent to you. That really frustrates me because you're asking me to be someone that I'm not. And I should be able to live in my world and feel empowered by those things that make me feel empowered without worrying about my safety. Yeah. And about my, about what, how men think of me. It's not my fault that certain men can't control their you know sexually frustrated anger out on women and this isn't about either this isn't about men liking women it's about hating them it's the opposite it this isn't about a man finding you physically attractive it's got nothing to do with how you look really what and this is something i learned in the documentary because it's always been about you know is this the way i look is it my blonde hair my boobs makeup posing in bikini what i really fundamentally get down to is the fact that it's got nothing to do with how you look this happens to women all over the world globally all kinds of ages for ranging from 10 years old to 50 odd and some women are some women are on their instagram putting pictures up of nothing but their cats and their poached eggs and they're still getting this kind of treatment so it really has nothing to do with the woman and this is what i'm trying to understand myself and i'm getting there but it's what the message i'm trying to put out there to any woman who is feeling like it's them that has to change it's not it's it's them it's yeah. the men that need to to be educated and understand this is not how you treat a woman you can't just put your frustrations out onto onto women because in some way you feel threatened or your power and control has been taken from you in mm. some kind of way This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We know that social media and the internet is the Wild West and we need way more safety precautions and just more stringent rules on all of it. Mm. But they're not in place. I know that that's something you're taking very seriously and wanting to create some sort of Mm. structural change. But is it even possible? Because like you say, if you report a comment... It seems impossible sometimes. Yeah, you're you're dealing with bots. You know, you're kind of... You're reporting things. They don't care. Tech companies, they don't care. No, they don't don't necessarily care. So, so, I mean... (laughs) Again, like you yeah, at the end of the documentary go, how can I, what can I do? And you're still having to put the emphasis on what you can do to help with this change. Yeah. Whereas it needs to be an educational focus yeah. for men. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's talk about this. You, um, you go to a, a group of young men and you mm-hmm. have a very open conversation. And one yeah. of the main pointers, takeaways, is how pornography needs to seriously mm-hmm. be, again, governed, but also looked at because it's often the first exposure that young boys have mm. to what sex is yeah and that that skewed idea then sends them off mentally in a whole yeah. wrong direction yeah, so yeah. it's not only one problem there's all these different problems it's so at play. layered it's mm. so layered and going into this i i i really thought that the the fundamental point of it was having the law changed in some way so first it's kind of started with talking about maybe get you know making cyber flashing illegal and then I realised going into the documentary when we were unravelling everything, it's such a deeper and more, um, it's more of an emotional problem. It's a systematic problem that has been going on since the beginning of time. It's literally trying to go back to the history of time and understanding how this has got to where it is now. And that feels impossible sometimes. I think laws laws are put there to let you know that, that it is wrong. Yeah. So I think that's a start. I think making something, changing the law is a start, for example, with cyber flashing, so that the next time a man does that, he knows he's breaking the law. And if that does stop one or two men from doing it, great. But we all know laws are there and they're broken. You know, people still rape and kill people. And it's uh, that and that for me. It, and also... 
and understanding these these kind of little like uh, making catcalling a public health issue, for, for example. I think those tiny little behaviours have to be looked at. The normalised things, the laddie behaviour that we all well that we've all been taught is laddie behaviour, whistling at a woman in the street, catcalling. People are going to roll their eyes and tut and say I'm killing the fun here, spoiling their fun. But I think things like that need to be looked at. It's this normalised behaviour, which is what cyber flashing has now become. And and yeah, and I think that tight, little normalised behaviours like that have now evolved, that, that they can evolve into something more sinister. We all know with Wayne Cousins, Wayne Cousins, who killed Sarah Everard so horrifically, he was a flasher. He was, and you know, we we all learn about the the WhatsApp group kind of language that was being used, the the laddie banter. Um, it started there. So actually, going back to the crux of of how men communicate with each other, not just with women, with each other, and what is seen, what is banter, and what is crossing the line. You know, they need to call each other out on it. And I, I, I do. I'm seeing in my own friendships, my own friendship groups, positive change. It's because they know they're going to get a clip around the ear if, uh, <laughs> if they say anything bad. But yeah, I, 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 I'm noticing it in you know in groups that I hang around with. I'm lucky that I hang around with good people. But it's, it's, it's those. It's going back to those little things that men have just always had a rite of passage with whistling at women in the street. Uh, we we meant to see that as a compliment. Apparently, you know that's been going on for decades and decades it's going back to behaviors like that and yes i'm sorry it's spoiling the fun for a lot of people but our safety is more fucking important yeah going like our watching... mental health yeah. i think women's mental health and women's get, safety get is a more hobby important. get a hobby get a hobby if or you're that get on about that one get on with your day like we're right. you know it's like are you are you that sad that you're gonna mm. and these these men have probably got daughters at home you know they wouldn't want someone doing that to their daughter but, um, Do you know what? Oh my god, I'm gonna tell a story that I've never yeah. said. And sometimes I think, should I be saying this stuff? But say think, it, it. Say it. Recently, mm. and I don't know if my reaction was appropriate or not here, but I experienced this exact thing yeah. from a group, and I'm not in any way wanting to accentuate stereotypes that may or may not exist, but I walked past a bunch of scaffolders. And I was with my husband, unbelievably, as well. But oh, really? there was some abuse shouted at me. And I, some inner rage took hold and I, I sort of lost the plot a bit and I kind of walked back and was like, you cannot talk to me like that. And it didn't stop. So they, oh, they, but they carried stop. on and, it, and then my husband kind of got involved and we sort of said, right, what's, what's going on here? And then they denied it and said, oh no, there's other there's other workers there around the back of the house, which was obviously a lie. And I this fury within me, which I think was probably accumulative. Honestly, I'm shaking with anger. Yes. Like, hearing it, it was just and then and then when I walked off, because I'd obviously called them out, they shouted it wasn't this bit wasn't necessarily sexual, but it had been. But it was just swearing and saying horrible things. And I went back again. And because I was like, you. I'm not I I cannot. I cannot deal, I cannot walk home and feel okay no. with what's just happened. So although I was there to kind of like release a bit of rage, they all brilliantly had the company on their jumpers. Great. So I Googled it and I rang their boss. Yeah. And I had a really good chat with the boss, yeah. who was lovely. He happened to be on holiday in Benidorm, quite irritated that this was actually going on. Right. And I sat at home fuming and I was just deep breathing and like... I, I knew it wasn't just about that one incident. It was just knowing that, you know, we've all had this for years and years. And then the guy who had, you know, been the, the main sort of perpetrator called me mm. and we had a chat. Yeah. And it was actually all right. Wow. And we sort of ended it on, you know, me sort of saying, I'm a human. Yeah. Just walking about, having a walk with he my husband. He will never, ever do that again. I really hope not. Because that was my only thing is... He won't. I didn't need to be on the phone going, you are so... I was just like, look, I was having a walk. Mm. I'm a human. Mm. And I really hope that that is the outcome, that he won't do that again. Yeah. And that he will see, you know, not just because of my job and that he might have seen me on the telly, but for women, mm. that he won't make people feel scared yeah. or pissed off, infuriated, mm. yeah. whatever it might be. And it's it's such a cop-out as well for men to go... I think you're overreacting. Like I didn't yeah. mean to. I didn't mean to actually cause you any harm. Oh, I had the whole. It's, it's a bit of banter it's thing. That, but that's such yeah. a cop out. That's bollocks. Yeah. Because they 
They are doing, yeah, you have to ask yourselves why they're doing that in the first place. They're doing that, whether they realize it or not, they're doing that to take some kind of power, power. and control over your situation. And what they don't realize, or what they do realize, it's, there's an argument to be had there, is that they can go off, they can go off and get on with their day and it will leave their mind and they never have to think about it again. We go home and sit there and it goes in and, yeah. in and we we feel unsettled, we feel a bit frightened. Having an altercation anyway is awful. Horrible. You know, it's the most horrible thing if, if you're in a car and you know you nearly crash into something or it's it's awful. Yeah. And, but but to have it personally targeted at you just for literally walking along the road minding your own business with your husband, you couldn't be in a more <laughs> it was quite kind extraordinary. Of, I was like, yeah, really? Like, Bad timing. That like, is that's so unsettling. Yeah. And men need to understand the repercussions of that and and how and 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 yeah and how we feel afterwards and what we're left with they're the ones that can go off we're left with that sitting in our stomach yeah. and that's why it's wrong and also if you, you know if you are on your own if you don't have the mm. safety of being with another man yeah. uh, your husband and mate whoever it is it is terrifying if you have a group of men say anything to you yeah. quite frankly oh, it's, all, yeah, it's just horrible. not a nice feeling and i mm. think you're so right this does come down to power mm. and I know that in the documentary you were sort of trying to unpick the psychology mm. which is a really tricky thing to do because yeah. of course you know there's sort of oh, I change my mind on it all the time yeah as well. but there's also different there's varying outcomes mm. as to who that person is mm. who's sending you the messages are mm. you know are they mentally unwell yeah. are they going yeah. through circumstances where they feel very out of control are they just do, thinking it's banter they, you know we don't actually know because yeah. it's different every time mm. but you actually very courageously messaged back some of these mm guys that were were messaging you and it was very interesting to see the differing outcomes that you ended up with one yeah. of them blocked you yeah straight away no no response yeah which straight says a lot away, yeah that says a lot that says a lot and then the other guy was like he sent like a detailed he, he was basically saying i do this to you because you he, didn't he say you're, you're a slapper and you deserve it so I think that's yeah it's a mixed bag i think men do it to me for a, a, a mix of reasons but and this is where I will continue to struggle with not blaming myself constantly because a lot of it does come down to the fact that, and, and people still write this on my Instagram, if I put anything up about um, the online harms bill, how far the campaign's going or things like that, people say, sorry, coming from the girl who talks about her sex life on stage and has posed in FHM and plays Charlotte Big Jugs in the in-between, you think that you have a right to stand up and talk about this kind of stuff. And I'm like, you're missing the point entirely. Yes, people say me of all people. I go, yes, me of all people. You know, none of this, this, the choices that I've made in my career or about my body or putting things up on Instagram, I'm, I'm just living being you being me it's not it's not for that it's no. not for that and so is it only people that sort <sighs> of walk around in giant sacks you know kind of tr dressing in a very non-feminine way i don't know allowed to talk about who don't wear makeup oh well you know what it's so funny i when i sometimes do have a bit of a tomboy day and wear slacks and put my hair on my head i get abuse for that as well men going nah that that look doesn't suit you. You look too boyish. I'm like, <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. Well, sorry, you, you know, sorry, Phil from Hull. The aim of my day wasn't actually to give you a hard on. <laughs> so it's just absurd. <laughs> it's like I wasn't thinking but, about you when I, I was putting my clothes on this morning. But you know, it's so funny because again, you know, this is all very normalised stuff these days. That the the level of commentary can mm. be so utterly obscure like yeah. this morning they I... don't even know what they're saying they they i sometimes <laughs> believe they don't believe what they're saying either they're just regurgitating phrases and sentences like yeah, yeah but you ask for it though don't you like oh. yeah but you get your tits out all the time sorry what no what? I, even if i did bizarre. even if it's if bizarre. i wanted if i wanted to uh well so for example people sort of say about uh playing charlotte big jugs and the in-betweeners a lot and they go yeah, uh, you know, but you, you know, you happily have sex on television. That's playing a character in a television show. I'm doing my job. And that is what people don't understand. Mm. They go, but is it not, are you not a free-for-all now? No. No. No, I'm bloody not. No, no, no. But this is, they're so, it's very, it's all still so unclear. Like, yeah, it's you, you're so... setting your own boundaries. Yeah. And they're not even ones that you have to articulate to the masses to say, this is my boundary. Mm. Your boundary should just be respected, that mm. you're living your life and that the, the abuse is unwarranted yeah that is the the big problem here like mm. you say and the commentary around it and the questioning of how you present yourself or how any female presents themselves yeah, and, yeah. and and what that should therefore mean yeah and 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 uh, sorry to sound like a broken record i say this all the time but men don't have to think about 
any of this. They don't have to think about the clothes. Even now, before I do a TV appearance, you know, you know what it's like. It, it's the outfit is thought through. The look, it's all about the look, and you know, you tag your outfits afterwards, and people comment on your body and how much weight you've lost, how much weight you've gained, or you know, it's that is all it is about when you do your appearance on Jonathan Ross or you you go on this morning. Everyone is just as a woman, they're just looking at what you look like. They're looking at what you're wearing. They're looking at your hair color. Oh, I should put weight on. She lost weight. She's pregnant. Oh, it's all that. A bloke can just sit there and I'm like, oh, I'm happy for him. This is lovely for them. Yeah, yeah. They can just sit there and everyone is listening to what they're saying and taking them seriously. And it could be anything. They, I'm sure, you know, don't get me wrong, men get abused online as well. Absolutely. They get trolled and, and things. But I'm talking now about like, um, you know, in kind of a sexual visionary way. It's not about them. But also, even if it's a sexy man being sexy, the sexiness is seen as a very smoldering, positive, mm. wonderful thing. But if you're, but as a woman, if it's a, if you're going on there and people are finding you sexy or you're putting out a bit of a sexy vibe, it's trashy. It's not classy. People aren't going to take you seriously. It's a bit, ugh, it's a bit grim. It's a bit. Uh, it's asking for the wrong kind of attention, and that really pisses me off. Yeah, Look at yeah. Pete Davidson, for God's sake, and talking about you know the the press are obviously they're obsessed with my love life and you know and how and who I'm dating and all this. I don't mind that. I get that. That's fine. Whatever. I mean, yes, it's annoying, but. Certain territories come with certain things. Yeah. Fine. If you're in the public eye, people want to know who you're dating when you're single. I, I get I get that. That's totally fine. But it's it's how I'm then labelled and sort of what people think of me when they see me dating more than maybe one person. Or I, I'm pictured with one guy and then I'm pictured a couple months later with somebody else. In, in the normal world, I would, you know, it's very normal to date in that way. Of course. But for some reason in the public eye, it's... It's kind of quite jarring if you're seen with kind of more than one person. Like, Look at Pete Davidson. I know. He's dating some of the most beautiful women in Hollywood. He's ticked them all off the He's list. ticked them all off. You know, I'm if I'm rumoured to be dating some of the, the most gorgeous men in the UK, oh, I'm I'm tragic. I'm a slapper and I'm a slag. And I, you know, and it's, oh my God, can Emily Ata not hold a man down for more than three months? And it's like, that that part annoys me. The, the, the interest in it doesn't annoy me. It's... It's people, it's the mind people make up about you. It's yeah. the decision they make about you instantly. And that is what society has made us think about men and women. Yeah, yeah. But it's all been normalised. And like you say, even yeah. just the commentary around what women look like. We're yeah. so used to it. And I think it's, you know, it's so damaging for us. It's equally as damaging for men because yeah. they're, you know, it's damaging for all of us as to how we view Women yeah. and and how yeah. our daughters will grow up in the yeah. world and mm -hmm. God please can all of this change pretty quickly because I just can't even think about it. It's yeah. just all so bonkers and it seems like you know towards the end of the documentary, you and your mum again have a really heartfelt conversation mm. after you've kind of come back yeah, from God, her. That was, hard. that was so hard. Yeah, and it you know do you think that's been beneficial to you both having that level of honesty with each other? Because I'm pretty sure there'll be women out there who feel very alone in this and haven't spoken to friends or their mm. parents about it. Do you think it's kind of brought you closer in some way or allowed you to talk more openly about this sort of subject? Yeah, well, I, I always say that obviously young people need to be educated on this stuff so, so much, but also older generations do too because the older generations are stuck in this mindset of going, you know, even my mum's still trying to cover me up, going, oh, can you just not talk about any of this stuff? Because she just wants to protect me. And I, and so the, the conversations that I had with her are now educating her and, and, and educating my dad on how the world is very different now to what it was in the 60s and 70s, you know, whistling at people in the street, things like that. That's not seen as a compliment anymore. Back in the day, it was very normal. And so older generations are adapting too. Um, so it's, it's yes, we have to educate the... Uh, the young people and get it set into them much earlier on. That's definitely something, you know, do we need to look at boys' mental health more, uh, you know, things like that. Um, but we also need to, it's it's a generational thing too that people sometimes use as a cop-out and going, well, sorry, but I, I, I slapped her ass because back in my day at work, we were allowed to do that. It's like, come on, do better. And so I think that there's a long way to go with that as well. Obviously, we saw the Me Too movement. These men who, uh, you know, they're not in their 20s. They, these men have been in power for a long time in that industry, well into their 50s, obviously, with Harvey Weinstein. Men that are in that in that power, abusing their position of power. Um, 
I mean, people like him, I kind of go, well, I don't think no education necessary. You're just a fucking pervert. Yeah, yeah. But um, I do think there's definitely a conversation to be had about men and women who are of an older generation who do end up regurgitating sentences that they have just had, have heard their whole lives or, um, or you know, behaviour that has been normal, very normalised by them. Uh, and they need to learn that the world is very different now. So it's about that as well. It's a lot. It's, it's, it's a lot. Do you know what really warmed my heart was when I went to the, when I went to the school um, uh, in the documentary and yeah, I that talk, shocked me as well. Oh, I was so emotional that day. I was crying all the way home. So I went to this school. First of all, I was pleasantly, I'm so pleasantly surprised at how things have changed, even in the last 15 years. You know, it, I'm, I was at school 15 years ago. Was it 15? Yeah. And uh, it's so different. It, th there's more support from teachers, conversations about, there's more open conversation about mental health. And I was asking the the kids, God, it makes me feel old calling them kids. Um, I was asking them when the cameras were off, you know, I'm like, are you all looked after? Are you all okay? And they were so complimentary about their school and about Good. their teachers saying, and also about the boys in the class. So I was talking to the girls and I said, you know, I said, does this behaviour come a lot from the boys in your school? And they were like, no, not at all. It's men. It's men. It's older men. And the fact that these young girls actually feel more protected by the boys in their school. The boys in their schools are learning. And actually, it's quite taboo to do something shitty to a girl, you know, to treat her in a bad way. Or if there's like a, a question around consent, if something happens at a party and people are talking about it, people people are starting to know better. And that really kind of warmed my heart. Yeah. It's the older men that are the problem. So I've, I, I feel for these sort of, you know, teenagers and and young lads in their 20s who are sort of getting it in the neck from people going, these young lads really need to be taught. I've seen from ex experience doing the doc that I don't know if that's always where the, the issue is. No. no, it's like, I think it's a lot of it is a generational thing. And these young girls saying that they feel safer at school with the boys that are in their class than they do when they're walking home from school in their school uniform, knowing that older men are looking at them or whistling at them, you know, men in their 40s, 50s, and they said they feel more vulnerable in their school uniform out of school. Yeah, that made me really How upset fucked up is that? that? It's so That is so upsetting. Up. Like and this girl, she kept saying to me, she was like she was going, I just want to be a child. I'm just yeah. trying to be a child. She said, I can't help the way my body's shaping. I'm growing and like, you know, I've got hips now that I never used to have and my boobs are quite swollen, you know, she was like I'm on the pill, my boobs are swollen. I'm and she was like I'm I'm now I've, I'm getting all this strange attempt. Men have never looked at me in this way, and they all of a sudden are. And they're sort of. She said it's making me feel like I'm flaunting my body around all the time. And she's like, I'm just living in my just body, walking around. just walking around, and I'm being accused of flaunting my assets and body. And all oh, because men just can't control their sexual deviant thoughts. I guess I know, and they I... just want to take that power, power and control all power and control it's power and control and like you say it starts with the sort of education for girls and boys in school yeah. and looking at pornography and yeah. talking about it more honestly and what impact and it the has boys, on people the boys want to learn it there, there is no young lad that I know that's turned around and go oh fuck off I don't want to hear that oh what a load of shit rolling their eyes they're not they are taking it on and they're learning it it's these it's the older men not all of them I know it's a it's a generational thing of men Tutting and rolling their eyes, thinking that their right is being taken away from them. That, you know, this behaviour that they've known, that's, that's been normalised and allowed and tolerated since they were young. And all of a sudden we're trying to change their behaviour and they're going, no, that's that doesn't feel right. I've, I'm, I, I can do this if I want. They, they feel like they have a right to behave that way. That, for me personally, from what I've seen in my experience is more where the problem is. Yeah, that's the, that's the problem. Yeah. But young young people want to learn. They're they're way more open-minded and they're they're open to it and that really warmed my heart. Spoke mm. to the lovely boys at that school, you know, and they all had this real real sense of togetherness the, the boys and the girls, they they were together and you know, it, it's a it's a different world to 
to when there's we were so much brilliant progress there's happening so much brilliant from progress people much younger than us without totally. us needing to even 100%. be there like this is just and that is a positive change is happening and so i want i want the documentary to feel like it's a it's me looking at a positive change it's not yeah, it's hopeful negative. it's hopeful and it's not it's not me going poor me look out oh, look how shit my life is my life's amazing and i'm so fortunate and lucky the, the opportunities that i've had and you know um i my life is great i'm not complaining about my life i'm just saying there are things we need to work on but if we come together as men and women not excluding the men from the conversation involving them coming together and and creating something positive rather than looking at it like a, a bollocking to them and going, you're all bastards and you're all, you all can't control yourself. It's not about that. And that's where men get, they get defensive, don't they? And they're like, well, I've done anything wrong. I'm not saying you have. Let's just, instead of immediately shutting it down by saying, but it's not all men, not all men. Why don't you listen to us? Be a part of the conversation. Be a part of the positive change. And then we won't tell you off. Yeah, then call their mates out or <laughs> yeah, see your mates out. Discriminative behaviour. Yeah, they can you shout look, about it. Look at it, it like this. You don't, would you have your daughter spoken to or treated like that? No, you wouldn't. Whether you have a daughter or not, imagine having a daughter or a niece or a sister, a mother. You would not want that for your, uh, the woman in your life, whoever that is. So think of it that way mm. if you can't think of it another way. It, it seems like, I know, obviously, there are still huge problems yeah. and, and it hasn't stopped the abuse coming your way, but it mm. seems like the documentary has been on a level healing, cathartic. Yeah. What do you what do you put in place for moments where you do feel vulnerable because of all of this going on? Is there anything that you do to help yourself through times where you don't feel safe or you just feel like you've had enough? I uh, mm, I have to admit there are I have good days and bad days. I have good days and bad days. I sometimes wake up and I feel like I can kind of conquer anything and and go fuck you I'm gonna be who I want to be and I feel strong and I'm a strong independent woman and there are some days I wake up and I go I don't know if I can take this because it's not it's not just it's not just sexual harassment sexual harassment has and and especially if it's been ingrained into you since you were a child it has terrible terrible repercussions and consequences on your mental health and on your brain and something that I've over the years I've tried you know I have therapy and I do everything I can to but what I have discovered um so I'm going off the question a little bit but um what, what I have discovered now as an adult is it all rounds up to all my mental health problems whether and it's it's a hard thing to admit but it all does I've noticed it narrows down to the one thing which is my how I've been treated by men in my life. That is where all my struggles come from. It's my self-doubt. It's my shame, paranoia, my desperate seeking of validation in, in this life. I mean, like we all do on Instagram with liking and this and that. But this is all... And and my my complex relationship that I've had with men and sex over the years, it's all, it's all kind of spilled out into my life. And it is something that I sometimes feel that I've got really good control on, a really good hand on. And then sometimes I I can't bear it. And I just feel, I feel abnormal. I, I don't feel, I, I, I feel all the things that these horrible men want me to feel some days. I do, I feel worthless, not classy and shameful um, and all those things. But it's just something that I'll continue to work on. But I think it's okay to admit that, you're not going to feel empowered and great every day. I saw a quote the other day saying like, a woman who isn't afraid to be on her own is a powerful woman. I'm like, yeah, but you wouldn't say that about a bloke, would you? It's like, why is it that as women, and I I get the quote, it comes from a good place, I'm sure. But I also, and I put it up my Instagram and I was like, but what if you hate being alone and you actually turn around and go, being alone sucks and it's scary and it's frightening and I hear a bump in the night in my house and I shit my pants. Yeah. You know, it's like being alone doesn't make me feel empowered always. I think like there's certain truths to that phrase every now and then, but for me, it's, it's about, it's it's not about finding empowerment being alone. I guess it's like... So is it, you know, are you having to... I don't know if this is something you do in therapy, but look at your own self-worth. Yeah. Without men in the picture, whether you're yes. dating or not, what your self-worth is mm. just as you sat here today. Because I think all of us struggle with that on a level and it mm. will manifest in different ways yeah. and the... 
the cause of those feelings will differ greatly, whether it's from your childhood, mm. um, the economic background, yeah. where you're from in the world, if you've been discriminated growing up in certain ways. We'll all have that lack of self-worth for different reasons. Yeah. But we all, I think, I think most people listening to this will probably put their hand up and go, yeah, I struggle with my own self-worth and self-love yeah yeah because this is another thing that we're having rammed down our throats you've got to learn to love yourself it's love yourself love very yourself. Hard. learn to love yourself otherwise no one else is no one else is gonna love <laughs> God, you it's I hate like, that one. Oh, brilliant I know. i'm like and so i'm like trying to love myself so much i'm like well i can't be i don't want to be alone forever <laughs> so i'm like desperately trying to love myself it's not i, I think it's think a life's work break. yeah it is and even people that are happy in relationships they still are constantly working on themselves of course and you you still don't love yourself all the time nope. it's not because also that's it's a really it's a damaging message that because it's basically saying you, you got to love yourself otherwise no one else will love you it's that's also the hidden message there is also you won't feel validated until someone is with you and then and then you go yeah do you know what because I did all the right steps and now I've got the right guy and now it's no, it I'm not. Like it, that. It's the, your 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 lead up to make your life great and to to be comfortable in yourself should the end goal shouldn't be having a partner, having a partner, or having anything. No, I think that's completely true, and we're all. I mean, don't get me wrong. It, when, when Aladdin comes knocking, I'm there. <laughs> but like, Jasmine yeah, <laughs> I'm saying all this. I'm saying all this, and I'll be like waving like on my horse, like bye everyone. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Do you remember what I said? Forget on it. Your flying I'm, I'm off on, yeah, on your flying carpet. Yeah, on your flying carpet. I'll be off on that carpet. Oh, it's just you know, life is messy, and yeah. we don't. We're not meant to have it all sorted and have no. it all together. It's just, no. it's a complete fallacy, and we just need to try our best every day mm. to be. Ex- Accepting of all the flaws and crap going on yes. in our heads, etc. Oh, and it is the one thing I say constantly to anyone. I am so flawed. God, I'm flawed. But that I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Mm. That is one thing that I am actually okay with. There are so many things about me that I, oh, I wish I could get better at. I drink too much. This, that. You know, I, I party too much. But I'm very flawed, and I'm okay with that. That's not even. I, I can. I can try and work on certain things, but I think I'll always be flawed. No one's perfect. No, same. If no I gave perfect. you a list, it would fill this book in front of me if yeah. I wrote down all the things that I know aren't great about me. But equally, at the age I'm at now, I could probably mm. write a book with all the things that I think I can offer yeah. and that I do think are positive. Yeah. And we're complex people with loads of shit going on. Mm. But I think it's it's really brilliant and valiant to have this conversation and to also put it into the context of, you know, these are the reasons that you have self-doubt mm. and these are the reasons that you sometimes lack self-worth. Mm. And it's accentuated greatly by this really ungoverned world of social media yeah. where you're receiving all of these unsolicited pictures and videos and dialogue. And we, we need to look at... The system's in place yeah. and what better protection can be there for women all over the world, in the public eye and not. This is happening to yes. young school yeah, kids. Absolutely. As you said, this is for not everyone. Yeah, yeah. And to really ensure that women can walk around feeling yeah. safer at the end of the day. Definitely. And the fact that it gets put to the back of the pile at Parliament and things like that, you just go, hang on, our safety's not up for debate. It's not something that you can be intransigent about. It's like our safety is is paramount is it not yep and it's still something that we have to fight for every day and it it's it will continue to be a fight but where we start with it and where i'm starting personally with it is just not being afraid to be me and going i'm i'm still gonna have blonde hair i'm still gonna put bikini pictures up in summer oh you wait in the summer i can't Ooh, wait i am gonna put up the most, I'm, you know, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to get myself in shape. Um, but you don't, you don't need to do any of oh, that. Thanks, Just nice. put your bikini pics no, up. No, I quite like my wobbly bits nowadays. I'm all right with the, with those. But yeah, it, I, it's and it's it's for me. I can honestly say, for the first time in my life, I'm doing everything for me. Good. I'm, I'm on my own. Got my dog. I've got my work. I've got my family, my friends. Yeah, I'm dating here and there. My life is brilliant, and I, I really am trying to refuse to let the uh, this 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 behavior affect my life anymore and make me change who I am as a person. I can't do that anymore. I'm only going to be who I'm going to be. I can I can dye my hair brown for a bit. I could get a boob reduction whatever. But I I can't really stop being me. It's also brought a lot of 
amazing things to my life being me. My mates like me. My mum thinks I'm great. My dog loves me. Yeah, I, I'm very lucky to be me. I sometimes feel. Just keep always, being but, you. Yeah. Keep being you. Yeah. It's a brilliant documentary. Thank you. And it's great that you're walking down this path because it's not an easy one to walk down because there is yeah. feedback galore. Yeah. But keep doing it. And it's been so great to talk to you today, Emily. Thank, Thank you. you so God, I could much. Talk all day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's literally all I do. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Oh, wonderful, Emily. Just keep being you, you brilliant human. And you, you listening, if you need to hear it today, let this be your reminder that you are a bloody brilliant person. Yes, you, you're amazing. Thank you so much for being so candid, Emily. I loved that chat and for all the hard work you're doing to make real change. Emily Atak, Asking For It, will air on BBC Two and iPlayer at 9pm on Tuesday the 31st of January. Okay, it is a... Big one next week. Massive, mahoosive, ginormous, gargantuan. I'm so excited for you to hear it because I've been waiting to have this chat for quite some time. (laughs) Years. That's all I'm saying. You can find out who it is by following us on Instagram, at happyplaceofficial. We post little teaser videos on a Sunday evening so you know who'll be waiting for you on the podcast on the following morning. Until then, huge thanks again to Emily, to the producer Anushka Tate at Rethink Audio, and to you for wanting to be part of these conversations. I massively appreciate it, and I'll speak soon. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com